it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yes, yes. Welcome into the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network. I really don't want to waste your time. I want to get right into it because for my money, and this is a bold statement, and I hesitate to do it. It's like picking your favorite children. I only have one child, so I don't have to get into that spot. But I think this might be my favorite interview we have done in the two-year history of the show. As a matter of fact, it's going to play just shy of the exact second anniversary of the program I didn't anticipate it. As a matter of fact, I woke up today and had a text from Iggy at 4.30 saying, do you have time to interview Kelly Chase? He's in town uh, right after TMA. And I said, absolutely. And so this was one that I'd wanted to do ever since they won the cup. But uh, here we are in late September and uh, and we hadn't had a chance to do it. And it, and it exceeded expectations. It's got everything. It's like a movie where you're like, I pissed myself from laughing, but I actually found myself crying at points. And yes... To answer the question, Gangster Pete is acknowledging that he did indeed weep yet again during this interview. There's nothing else to say about it. It is, it's Kelly Chase. Uh, he, I think he got emotional. Would that be fair to say, Gangster Pete? Yeah, definitely. He was emotional at times throughout it. If Kelly Chase gets emotional, it's cool. To it's get cool, emotional. exactly. So you know, you're now you're in the clear. Uh, and he, I was for real close to pissing myself multiple times. And there's information in this thing that I that stories that have never been told. Um, regarding Brett Hull and his middle finger that people thought it was toward the Bruins bench, regarding Brett Hull and his speech at the parade uh, and how Chase and Wayne Gretzky are involved in all of this stuff and Doug Armstrong. I mean, there's, there's it's just so good. That's why I'm just like, I got to get the fuck out of the way. Now, here's the deal, though. You like this podcast. Brent, ben Fredrickson was kind enough to write about our interview last week with Jeff Fisher. If you haven't listened to that, uh, we talk about relocation and I use his words and, and get his answers in response to comments that he made that makes it sound like he may have known more than he let on. And Ben Fredrickson of the Post-Dispatch wrote about that interview. Point is, subscribe to the podcast. We're doing some good stuff here and it's a credit to the producers who, who get these guests in here uh, and to our sponsors who make it possible. So subscribe to the Tim McKernan Show and give it a positive review. It's how the thing works. And if you like what we're doing, that's how you can help. And also... Supporting our sponsors. We are in the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. Kelly Chase and myself, along with the emotional gangster Pete. That's where we are. Ryan Kelly, online at the HomeLoanExpert.com. If you're buying a home, if you're refinancing a home, you're going to the HomeLoanExpert.com. For real, you can do it Do it in, in a matter of moments, and then nobody is going to be able to perform better customer service when it comes to you buying a home and getting a loan or refinancing. Make sure you're going to the HomeLoanExpert.com. Ryan Kelly, the sponsor of our studios here on the Tim McKernan Show. So I said I'd get out of the way. Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies is our presenting sponsor of our guests. Last week it was Jeff Fisher. The week before it was Jeremy Macklin. The week before it was John Kelly. The week before it was Joe Buck. The week before it was Pat Maroon. Pat Maroon a couple of times. Craig Berube, Doug Armstrong. There's all these interviews here, all these great guests here. 
support the sponsors, subscribe to the podcast. And here is one of my all-time favorites, if not my favorite, this interview with Kelly Chase, presented by Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. Chaser, welcome. Good to be here. I had no idea. Round two, man. Round two. I'm excited. I I didn't tell you enough shit the first time, eh? (laughs) Well, there's a chalice now to talk about. Uh, I got gotcha. you. There's a chalice now to talk about. Hmm. Is that what you meant when Iggy called you and you go, I thought I was done with this shit? <laughs> well, I, I was out of, you know, I got called the other day from NHL Network and we were talking and, and I still do the, you know, the mm-hmm. the uh, stuff for the network when I can do it. Well, the games, I did a couple, out, I did the outdoor game. I did the playoffs last year. I did a couple games for them during the season and I love it. I love the broadcasting and I'm doing enough of it um, where... I'm not becoming a, I don't want disgruntled ex-athlete because I was starting to sound miserable. Were you miserable? Uh, no, I, well, it wasn't that I was, mis- I was tired, you know, I was tired from all the stuff I was doing. You know, I'm trying, I always try and be a good representative of the team. And I mean, I love the blues. I mean, that's, you know, my family and then the blues, right? Um, and then um, I just think I was getting to a point where I was getting pissed off. You know, what about, were you getting pissed off? I was getting pissed off about sometimes, like, you have to change with the game. But sometimes when you're losing, you get into a position where you're, like, you're, you're asking more of people than they can give. And I think sometimes some of our guys were, like, the give-a-shit meter wasn't working. And so you were, like, you've been there so long. You just wanted to be a part of something that was great, that exciting to come to the rink. And I think I, uh, I think I, uh, I needed a little bit of a change, and the Blues were great. They they said, Hey, what do you want to do? I got an, uh, I got an unbelievable offer to work for a company and, and st- that encouraged me to stay involved with the blues. Oh, uh, they did. That's awesome. Oh yeah. I mean, I knew you were, but I didn't know that they encouraged Yeah. You. And they, they just said, listen, the reason your Rolodex is as deep as it is, is because of the sh- stuff that you do with the team and the way that, that you, the city and you have a love affair. So I was really fortunate. And so I needed a change. So when Iggy phoned me, I said, I thought I was done with this shit with you guys because I know we were on the air. We were on the air once a week talking about blues uh, hockey. Yeah, and then he's true. like, no, no, Tim wants a podcast. No, it's a podcast. We're just going to come in and have fun. So the company, by the way, and we've talked about it when you when when you were on, but to, to refresh people's memory is what's the official business title? Because I just call it Discovery. But Yeah, Discovery Land Company. So I'm, I'm the, you know, one of the guys, that the head of sales uh, in, in Nashville. And It's uh, like one of the greatest companies. Oh I, I was trying God. to explain it to these guys, like in a commercial break before you were coming in today. And I said, there's the money in the United States that's, I don't even know what you would call it. I, I don't know. It's the, like, it's not the famous money. It's probably the biggest money, like oh, billionaires. Yeah. No question. And then there's the people who patronize Discovery and it's like you name it from whatever industry, the stars I feel like are discovery people. Well, you know what they term. do is they take a like a a property and they make it into a five star property, and they give you ten star. Is that even possible? Ten star sure, service. Not? Yeah, yeah. Like what the, the amenities that they have are unbelievable. And they and they're listen. They're truly open to to. They're truly just open to saying, how can we make it better? Like I'm we, like, we, you know, we're Nashville. So we get country music stars that, are, you know, that are there and they're, you know, they're coming out and they're like, we're in and they buy them. They'll buy a place. Now you don't know if they're going to build on it or if they're going to just build on it so they can be there on the weekend and shut the lights off and lock the doors. But all of a sudden they come with another idea. Hey, this is what I need. I need a bar out over the, uh, over this hole so that I can, pl- you know, plug my guitar in and play on a, at a fire pit 
but they know they can go there and they don't have to worry about it being all over social media and they don't have, they can just be there themselves. Yes. That's, I think what they love about it. So it's athletes kind of on the same level. So it's athletes and entertainers certainly, but you hit the nail on the head with the other people that you just really don't know that have, like I I'm touring a guy. I've had some fantastic stories about great people that you would never know they were as wealthy as they were. But I, I, yesterday, I just, you know, I know this guy, this guy asked if, hey, can I bring my helicopter out to take a look at the property? I'm like, for sure. So we don't have the pad built yet, but does this work for you? Because we have these fields that yeah. are, beside, yeah, you know, perfect. So he comes out. So it's, as it turns out, they had a little flaw in the ignition starting it. And he goes, ah, we're going to ground it. We'll just drive back with you into town because I was coming back to St. Louis. I said, no such, I'm talking to him. I, I mean, I've, somebody's vetted this guy out. So I know that he's extremely wealthy, but I don't really know. I haven't read his bio. Other, than, I mean, I've read a bit about him, but I don't really know the whole in-depth. Mm-hmm. And no one really knows about these guys. They just kind of, they're just guys that are, are people that are just great people that you want to be a part of it because they're fun. Yeah. And this guy's definitely fun. Like, you know, he's like, okay, I don't have to fly. Give me a margarita. And boom, we go, you know, so we're in the car. And I say to him, so you fly, you know, just a helicopter. You got your pilots. He goes, no, I got my pilot's license. I said, oh, that's great. You own a plane? He goes, yeah, yeah. So we're talking for a bit. I said, what kind of plane do you own? He goes, actually, I got a couple of them. And he starts naming them off. And then he goes, and then we got a golf stream. And I, he goes, I like sitting on the left side of that seat. He goes, that's a fun one to fly. And I'm like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> guy's got a golf stream. I'm asking him if he owns a plane. And I'm like, and he was awesome. Like, he was just like, but it was just, I, I, honestly, down to earth, not pretentious, blue jeans, um, just like, just, you know, just awesome. Awesome. Somebody, I I don't know if I should say who, because it probably wouldn't be cool, but I'm going to name the people who would not be ever listening to this or familiar with it, was down there playing at El Dorado, which Mm -hmm. is a discovery in Cabo, and uh, and hit the ball and almost ran into, because he was in behind his place doing something, I don't know if it was yard work, whatever, George Strait. Right. Wouldn't have been yard work, but yeah, George would have been But he was out there in the back. I have no idea. And then talking about that Phil Ivey walked up on the range and asked if anybody wanted to play for 100000 a hole. And they're all kind of like, screw you. Like 100000 a hole isn't that big of a deal. And you're an ass for like. Oh, yeah. No, they know? abused him for it. Yeah. So you're familiar with this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think it. And there was another guy. Phil Ivey poker player for those of you. Know, and then there was a famous it. actor that, you know, started playing basketball kind of for keeps and wanted to play a certain amount. And then it turned into full contact basketball because guys are like, nobody cares so much. Like they don't talk exactly. about it. Yes. Cause everybody's in that world. Yeah, and they just, they and just it's a turn off if you start throwing hundred percent. So we don't commercially advertise really. We we're organically marketed. I'm just big on the Instagram feed. And then I like to see who likes the post. And I'm like, Oh, <laughs> now, now that person's into this. Well, it, the, the funny part about it is, is that we organically marketed. So like if you're a member somewhere, we want you to bring your friends because we know we you're there because you somebody brought you and you're a good guy and then you bring good people and it's unbelievable. Like I'm a member at the one in Gaza Ranch and and, it, and Jordan true. was up there this like a month or two ago. Or yeah, something. wasn't he playing in like yeah. a tournament with Tony Finau? I'm like, this is just like nuts. It was this funny like a because Rat Pack in Vegas in the in the fifties. You know, now now we're now we're talking about name dropping, but I but it was a it was a cool. Uh, because Elway's there and Gretz is there and Jordan's there and they're all at a little, we call it the tree bar. It's just an outdoor so the bar. the three of them are sitting there. But they're all just like, they're not together. Well, Elway and Gretz had just played golf there. We go in foursomes, eightsomes, just keep up to the pace of play. 
So, you know, if there's somebody happens to have a caddy because they're new to here, all of a sudden you got like 12 guys out on a green standing there. People look out over the tee box and they're like, what the hell is going on down there? And then they by the fourth hole, they can't see us because we're gone. We, they can't catch you because we're just flying around the course. But anyways, those guys are all sitting there and uh, in different areas. And I had a buddy up that was, we call them prospects that were, you know, interested in the property. He's a St. Louis guy, great guy, probably advertised with you guys a little bit. And he just looked at me and he said, you got to be fucking kidding me. <laughs> he goes, where am I? And I said, the best part about it is, is that nobody gives a shit. Like, because there's, because they're famous and, you know, uh, and, and, it, and it's, and it's cool that they're here, you know, that, you know, but there's 20 guys sitting around here that for sure financially better places than these guys and they're all fine. Yeah. Right. Right. But no one cares. Right. Like you just check your wallet at the gate when you come in, obviously, cause I'm there, <laughs> you know, but you, but it, but the beauty of it is, is that you're there. Like Gretz, I think Dougie Waite started the, the parade to Gazer. Oh, and I think okay. actually Walt might've owned a place there at one time and never even seen it. And then, and then, uh, Waiter got Gretzky to go there, and Gretzky got Holly, and Holly got me, and Brendan Morrow, and Barrett Jackman, and so now we have. I think there's like uh, 16 NHL guys or former NHL guys living there. Coop's there now, John Cooper, and oh yeah, great group of guys like Courts and Carbono, and it's just like a great group of guys. Ray Whitney, the best. Like so, we have this great group of guys, and so they have standing tea times every morning, and whoever shows up plays. So there's two tea times at ten and. 10, 10 and you just you whistle around and sometimes guys are saying hey we're gonna have a money game today who wants to play and then other guys are like no 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 we'll just go around or you just or you go out you're on the water or you're doing something it's just it's community parented for the kids so it's eight minutes across the water to the uh, rink so all the kids can skate and, and train or whatever they're doing and the hockey players that are current players can train and then they come back and they've oh, got so you got a red yeah that number of it. yeah number two ranked uh um, lake in the world next to Lake Como um, by National Geographic. So you've got the lake. So any of the sur you know surfing or any of the stuff behind the boat you want to do is all there. All the activities, fishing, everything. And of course, you got Fazio's Golf Course, which is 26 in the world uh, up on the top of the mountain. That's you know just up the hill. So it, it's not a bad deal. It's not bad, buddy. I'm gonna I'm not gonna bullshit. Yeah, it's my it's pretty good. I accidentally. The only reason I'm aware, as you can imagine, it's not like they were calling me to recruit me. I'm sure it doesn't surprise you. Nor me. <laughs> but, the, but Joe, Buck, and I were flying out because we were talking about doing a show in 2012 to meet with Kevin Demoff's father, who was his agent, mm -hmm. Marvin Demoff. And he goes, I got to stop over in Palm Springs to emcee this thing for Ben Crane. And I guess it was it had it was his charity, but it was at Madison Club, mm -hmm. which I didn't know anything right, about. And right. they had just started that up in 2012. And I know that's where Mickelson will right, play right. quite a bit when he's in, in the offseason. And, uh, and I'm like, and so my wife and I just kind of go, okay. He goes, Joe, Joe said, you guys want to come? I'm like, okay, sure. Whatever. So I just have jeans and my shitty old green Cardinal cap on. Mm -hmm. And then we're at a table with a bunch of PGA players always next to me with Mary Hart and Tony Robbins. Yep. And now I met him and talked to him that night. Mossimo. Yeah, Moss, I love. Yeah. Who's, it's the best. Yeah, who, of course. People are going to go pick, get be pissed off about it. I don't give a Boyd shit. Laughlin's husband. Look, I don't, know the, I don't know all of the details, but I know that they wrote the check to a non-for-profit, and it had nothing to do with their kids getting it in, and it had more to do with the athletic pro. I, hey, we're going to help a bunch of people who can't afford to if you make a contribution. All I know is 
Moss and Lori are the salt of the earth, great people. I feel terrible for what's going on for them. I don't give a shit who doesn't like it. There you go. I figured you might be fired up about that one. And I'm sitting there and going, what is this thing? And then then Glenn, then Glenn Fry comes out and he's doing like a private concert. I'm going, what in the hell am yeah. I doing here? Yeah. I, you need know to great? I need to leave. You know I what the most important here. thing you said was? That you were in a t-shirt, yes, jeans, and, exactly and a, right. and a, and a gun ball cap and nobody gives a shit. Hell no. You're at one of the most and exclusive cool. places in the world and that's exactly what they expect yeah. you to be comfortable. Yeah. It's yeah. a great thing. So no, the fact thing. that you're working for them, I mean, I would have to say, I'm sure, listen, I'm sure you miss in some capacity. The day by day, the blue. maybe you don't. No, I don't. I don't. You don't. Okay. No, I maybe love then. what the blues have me doing. I mean, I'm going to corporations and speaking. I'm getting a chance to be on the air once in a while and still do that and do interviews where I can actually, like last year I did interviews, I don't know, with eight or nine guys. And I got to tell you, I got to go and call their families and talk to them, like talk to Craig Burby's so mom and dad. You're talking about in depth then. Yeah. You're so, you're like so, so you're sort of. around about what right. happened in the second yeah, period. Yeah, like you're going to get the same bullshit answer anyway, right? Because nobody <laughs> gives a shit about you standing there with a microphone in their face when there's a game going on. Right. They don't give a shit about you being there. Like, honestly, it's a necessity, but they don't give a shit that you're there. And even though they respect me because I played, they're like, okay, let's get this over with Chase. There's times where if it wasn't me, they would have walked by me and kept going. And it's the same thing with Panger and Joe Vitale. They love them, yeah. but hey, we got bigger fish to fry than worrying about you in the mic in front of the middle of the game. They don't give a shit. So I got to the point where that, there's actually a funny story behind that is that <laughs> I, I've never, like, guys know this, but I, so I, I wanted to make sure I was awake a couple years ago for Christmas because I, I was like, we're traveling from Vancouver. And I was like, you know, you get home, it could be 630 in the morning. And I'm, you know, and uh, I thought, well, I'm going to take an Ambien, not a, not an Ambien guy, right? It's a so high maybe, risk play. Especially when you take two. <laughs> I'm a big guy. I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to fire down this Ambien. I get through. What is this for a flight back from Vancouver to Vancouver St. Louis? Vancouver to St. Louis. So there's time change. Four and, I, and a half hours. Four right. Hours. So I'm going to come back. So anyways, I fire down an Ambien, get on the plane, not feeling tired. It's about, you know. I, I've given it all of about 20 minutes, but I'm not feeling tired. So I fi rifle, I go, oh, I'm going to see if I can, this, you know, one of our guys is there that's non-player. And he's, I said, you don't happen to have another Ambien, do you? He goes, yeah, what, are you crazy? And I said, fuck, I'm a big guy. Like, I, So I rifle down this second Ambien. Anyways, I get home for Christmas and I have a great Christmas. Doug Armstrong calls me in one day and he says, uh, hey, dude, he goes, can I talk to you for a bit? And, he go, and I go, yeah. And he goes, hey, man, I wasn't on, I don't, he wasn't on the flight. And he goes, uh, hey, listen, you know, I've kind of mentioned to you in the past about, about playing cards with the team, with the players. And he goes, you know, you're, he goes, I, I know it was Christmas time and shit, but don't get in the habit of playing cards with the guys. Cause he goes, I don't want there to be a conflict. And then it gets blown up. You know, if the players start out their own stuff and I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes on the flight back. And I go, Army, what the hell are you, who would tell you that? I never played cards. I fucking slept. I took two Ambien. I went to sleep. <laughs> And he looks at me like I'm completely out of my mind. He goes, I'm sorry. He goes, and I love Doug. First of all, I love Doug Armstrong, and he's been more than fair to me. And I go, I go, I don't know what you're talking about. Why in the hell? I go, why the hell would I, you know, I, I, I know better than that. Okay, right, whatever. Anyways, I get on the, I get on the, uh, um, I get on the, uh, the uh, plane the next trip, and Steiner calls me over. He goes, hey, uh, you talked to Sobe yet? And I said, who? And he goes, Sobe. And I go, why would I talk to Sobotka? I go, what, about what? And he goes, man, you were tough on him on the plane. And I go, what are you talking about? And he goes, Jesus, dude, you were all over him on the plane, about being a pussy and about, you know, did he get his balls cut off in Russia or did he get pregnant? And I was like, what are you talking about? And he, and he go, and then just then Bartuzo, Bartuzo gets on the plane and he hands me this 
handful of cash. And he goes, here's the, here's the dough. And I go, for what? He goes, that you won on the flight, on the, on the trip. And I go, <laughs> and I'm sitting there. I do not remember playing cards. I don't remember giving it to Sobe. I drove my <laughs> truck out on the tarmac and drove my truck into the, into the luggage cart and put a big hole in my bumper. <laughs> Don't remember, like it's terrible, but I don't, I don't remember, but I was cognizant. Like I, the guy said I was talking and funny and laughing and they thought I was drinking. And you were, and you, I were was, you were obviously killing it at the card crushing game. Crushing it at cards, which that, when I used to play cards and army, let me do that. I, that was, that was an ATM machine back there. I literally, I got the greatest text from TJ Oshie. He goes, I sent no ocean note. And he said, he said, uh, about to get on the plane and take a bunch of these young guys money. He goes, I said, Hey, I said, Hey, uh, education isn't free. <laughs> and he goes, I know. And I feel, I don't feel bad about taking it now because you know, he was on the plane trying to learn how to, he was on the plane trying to learn how to do this. But anyway, I didn't remember any of it. And I was in a, I was in a, uh, you know, I, I had done, I had, I had to go and let me put it this way. I apologize to army. I apologize to Sobe. I apologize to the flight attendants. Oh, are there stories who, there that by, we're not One share? of them, who, by the way, I happen to have loved. She was a great gal, and I did. I just, I just felt like I owed her an apology because that was her section, and who knows what I said, right? And she, did, she just started laughing. She goes, "Jesus, I was wondering what was going on with you." And uh, I mean, I apologize to everyone because I, I was so embarrassed that, and I thought to myself too, if I'm thinking this about guys in a state, this is true, in a state where. It's somewhere in my brain that I'm pissed off at guys. I shouldn't be on the air talking about them every day. Because now either I'm full of shit talking about them or I'm going to say something that I'm going to regret. So a moment of clarity from the ambient 100%, debacle. man. Really? 100%. I, I 100% was like, I don't want to be the guy that's a bitter ex-player. I love the game. I love the opportunity the Blues gave me. I had a great run. I think Kerber, I believe Kerber's the best guy I've ever worked you with. You said that right. to me privately no, when there were no microphones. No, there. no, I, I, and I, um, it was great. It was a great run. And I wouldn't change any of it, but I got to tell you, man, I, I was, I was out of, I was out of it. And I, <laughs> I, I was going to the guys, what do you, like at first I was, and then I, the, the most humbling part about it was I had to go to Army and go Army. But I, first I told Marty Brodeur because I knew it would go right to Army. So I, I told Marty, I go, hey, I got to talk to Army. And then when Army, Army came in, he had this big smirk in his face. Like he's, I, like, I love him. I love him. I, I, I do. I, I think Army's a very emotional guy. I think he really wears it on his sleeve. And sometimes that's not the best probably. But I got to tell you, man, there's, when he sits and has the 24-hour rule and thinks with, there's some clarity, he's got some real good perspectives on things that I think are, are uh, genius. So to me, um, I, 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 I think that, you know, part of his master, no one's smart enough to think that we we're going to win the cup when we we're in last place. Right. But I think Army's clarity and putting Chief in would have given him the, the perspective of, I've thought about this because Chief had guys in the minors and got them to play. So I'm going to find out who actually wants to play for a guy that everyone says is a so player's coach. you think coach. he was thinking that far ahead I when he did that he in was, November? I think he was thinking, I honestly believe that he was thinking that he... Um, no matter what was going to happen with the team, he was going to he was going to find out how this team was going to evolve. He was going to make changes based on who could play for Chief and who couldn't. And as it turned out, everybody could. It's funny going back to that move in November. If you remember, right around the time of the firing of Yo, Quenville's out. 
Yeah. And so around here, understandably, people are like, oh my God, bring Quenville back. And now people wouldn't trade no. Craig Berube for Joel Quenville. Favorite coach know? in the world for me is Joel Quenville, and they have forgotten about him in St. Louis for the first time. Okay, like, because that wouldn't have went away. That smell wasn't going away until somebody made an effort to get him. And uh, you know what? Even winning, if Joel could be here and Chief had taken another job, I don't know that people wouldn't have been pissed off that Joel was here and they didn't keep Chief. Yeah. So I'm glad he's here. He's a basic guy. He's, he's, I say this all the time. I, I, he, he just he just uses common sense, and sometimes common sense isn't that common anymore. Yeah. But his attitude is you want you want to be paid more, play better. You want to you want to be on the ice when I then play better. You want to you want to be on the power play score when I put you out there. Like it's pretty simple. Accept the role, win for the team, and everyone's going to get taken care of. It's interesting that you say that because so many guys say that exact thing about him. I had Maruna here like a month and a half ago, and he goes, you know, people forget. He goes, I know people are upset if I'm going to be leaving, and then he wound up leaving, and he came back on, and we talked about it. He goes, but, you know, I was a healthy scratch. He goes, I mean, I was pretty shitty. And he goes, you know, I wasn't happy about it, but at the same time, when Chief brought me in, I understood it. I was playing shitty. And for him to have that respect, it seems like coaches all across sports, oftentimes they have to sit a guy or they have to bench a guy, and the guy's pissed off, but for whatever reason— with Barubi, they respected it. And I don't know what, what he well, does that gets that where he doesn't become the bad guy. Well, I think he's just honest. I think yeah. he's honest. And I think, I think that there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of merit. To, well, there's a tremendous amount of merit to that, but also in Pat's case, I remember his agents calling me because McAlpine and Hankinson have him right. And, uh, and saying, Hey, they're going to, they're going to sit Patty and you know what? He isn't playing real well. And we, we have a talk with him and you know, Pat and I have had a great relationship because, we took him with the bandits when he was quitting mm -hmm. hockey. And so it was like, um, you know, he's like a son to me. And I, I think I, you know, and I think of that a lot and he's in, and, and him saying they're sitting me out. And I said, well, you have one of two things you can do. You can put your head down a pout and go through waivers because you might not get picked up or you can keep working, be positive, be great in the room and, and get your opportunity. When you get your opportunity, you have to be looking at it like you're you're using the opportunity to find a space at the deadline because that's when they sat him out. Yeah, yeah so that there's right. a space at the deadline for you and some team that's going to take a playoff run so you can get another contract. Yeah, and, and how, do you, how in your opinion? I mean, obviously we know how the story ends, yeah. but in that moment, what do you think he chose to do? He, well, he said to me, "I'm going to do that," and then and then he sat out and he said, "I'm." He called me and said, "Today, that's not true." I called him. He texted me back. He said, "I'll call you in in an hour or whatever." And he called me and I go, "How's it going?" He goes. I'm actually playing tonight, and I think he'd sat out a couple games, right? So he said, and, I, and I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna be positive, and things are gonna work out. And he played well, and he got in a fight, and I, I think he did, and, and then he got in a fight within a few, couple of those first couple of games. And I think the emotion for Pat changed. Instead of the emotion coming to the bench and him holding it inward, he was starting to express himself on the ice a little bit more again. And when he does that, he gets engaged. And listen, uh, he's smart enough to know even whether he played with. Taylor Hall or Connor McDavid that he could chip the puck to one of those guys and go here. I'll meet you down at the other end. I can't give up to you because mm -hmm. I'm not, you know, fleet of foot. But I'm going to meet you down at the other end and be effective. And I talked to Roman Yossi about uh, mid June, uh, mid June, beginning of yeah, mid June, just after they won. And he said to me that Maroon. Oh, it might have been after the Dallas series when he scored. He said, let me tell you something, man. He, I can't get the puck off him. He go, and he goes, I fancy myself as a player that likes to try and emulate some parts of what Nick Lidstrom did where I, 
I don't have to be in a corner first, but I'm going to try and come out with it. And I'm going to be the guy that pokes it off your stick and takes it away from you and frustrates you because I'm not real aggressive as far as physically. But he goes, I can't take the puck off the guy. He goes, he's impossible. He goes, him and Alex Steen, he said, Alex Steen is another guy. He goes, he's, you can see that he's, you know, that he's slipping speed wise a bit, but he goes, he's so damn smart and he protects the puck and he's so bloody strong. He goes, those guys, so he says St. Louis is just miserable to play against because mm-hmm. when they get the puck down low, it's a beating. Can't get out of it. Yeah. yeah, can't get out of it. You, when you were watching this, and granted you're not watching it now from the booth or eye side, as things turned around and you've seen all these Blues teams, whether you've been a part of incredible teams or calling games that were some damn good teams, take your pick of whichever ones would stand out to you, did you sense that this might be different before it all happened? Uh, no. Uh, I thought we were gonna. I thought Winnipeg was going to be our biggest challenge, and I said that. I think I might have even said it with you guys. I think it's... I think Winnipeg is going to be the biggest challenge. And if we get by Winnipeg, we can beat anybody. And, and um, you know, I think we got some real fortunate breaks with Winnipeg where we broke their hearts. I think that was a big, big deal where they started really, like they believed, but when they beat Winnipeg, they were like, oh, yeah. it's to me, Winnipeg. The final 18 minutes of the third period in game five set up game seven in Boston. Just, yeah, right. So like, but at that point, like when, Listen, once you win the second round, everyone believes you can win Absolutely. a cup. I mean, shit, you don't go into, you know, like that's, let's face it. Like uh, you need breaks, you need fortune, you need stops, you need some things to go your way to win it, which is what happened in, you know, in Boston in game seven. Mm-hmm. I mean, Boston was all over St. Louis in game seven, you know. And, you know, I didn't see the game. Uh, I didn't watch the game until, um, couple days later i listened to the entire game to that's my partner one of my favorite stories of the whole there's so many yeah. stories but I, I, I guess you were on with us the morning after which was amazing to me but i guess it was amazing to me <laughs> <laughs> fuck <laughs> i might not have been standing there singing glory on the stage but i was in about the same shape <laughs> that's what you said that boys i'm on my way home and i'm like great <laughs> But you said you stopped, and all you did was you listened yeah. to your your broadcast partner. Yeah, you didn't want to watch it. You wanted to listen to no, Chris Kerber call it. Well, I set it up so I could drive. So were you driving from Nashville? Right, so okay. that I could drive and catch. So I was arriving in St. Louis if they won at, when the game finished. Now I didn't oh have a God. perfect plan this. for yeah, that, well, but that I like but I just out. wanted to be. So I think I was in like Paducah, Kentucky, or just before Paducah, whatever the hell it was. And I just, I took, I took off driving and I actually kind of slowed down a little in Illinois. And when I got to, I decided about an hour out, I was going to, I kept hearing about, Curbs would say something about Ballpark Village or about the, you know, Bush Stadium or about, you know, Enterprise. And, and I was thinking, holy shit, how many people are downtown? So if you, right where the exit at the ballpark is, you actually, yeah. there's a little, kind of a V where you're coming on like, and I, I parked what, what, what's eerie about this is no one was on the highway, dude. I mean, no one. I mean, if I, if I stood out there for three, four minutes, four cars went by me on an interstate and there were big trucks, truckers. That's it. That's unbelievable. I don't, I've had plenty of times coming from that side. <laughs> Believe me, but I can tell you, I don't care what time you're coming, there's traffic, whether you're coming or going. And I'm telling you right now, nobody, 
And they're like, I don't know if anybody has a picture of this, but what, I can't believe I didn't get my phone out. And like, I was just, what was happening was I was getting text messages like, boom, boom, boom. I actually think I have pictures of my text message thing getting to like 300. And I was, I should have taken pictures or videoed, but the, but the cars were parked like, it wasn't like they were parked along the street and you could still drive. Mm. They were wall to wall to wall on the streets with their lights on. Do you understand what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, if there's yeah, yeah, four yeah, lanes of street, yes. there was four lanes of cars parked all the way down the streets down there. Like I didn't every, know this. I never oh, heard my this. God. It was freaking unbelievable. So when Curbs does the final call, the horns, the shit that went on downtown <laughs> was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. And I... I was asked, the team was so good to us, man. I mean, they asked us to go to Boston. I, I don't go. Holly's like, are you out of your freaking mind? And I, I go, I go dude, I, I I don't know. He goes, I got to go, right? And I go, yeah, man, you should go. And he goes, why don't you want to go? I said, ah, I don't know. And I in, internally I'm thinking, because if I go, and I, I didn't know we were going to be allowed to go down on the ice, or I would have went. Like, I didn't know that we could go if we won they were going to say, go on out there and lift the cup like they did with the with the, with the the former players, mm. Jax and Walt mm. and, and Holly and everybody, right? Um, and I don't know why I thought that we wouldn't be able to. I just never thought about it. I mean, who, so what like, was your concern? Why did, I didn't realize. I, I just was, was like, well, there. we're going to get on the plane. We're going to go there, watch the game. We're going to get back on with all of the staff. We're not with the team. And then we're going to fly back. And we're going to be back here to celebrate anyway. Well, what are we going to do? We're going to celebrate on the plane or do you want to celebrate with a couple million people? Mm -hmm. So I was like, you know, this plus I thought if we lose, I got to deal with those assholes in Boston. And I was like, you know what? I don't care. I, I, I don't want to have that happen. And then I'm just pissed off and disappointed. And so, and then I thought about it and I'm like, where would I watch the game? And then I, I said to myself, fuck, Curbs is the best. I'll listen to it. I'll listen to Curbs and watch the game. And I don't know when it evolved into, you know what? I got stuff going on and I'm nervous as hell. I'm a damn wreck. And I never watched the first game we won in St. Louis in the national championship when we, the Bandits won. I was across the, I took the entire, they, they had they had a, like a expo set up on the NHL sheet at uh, Hardy's Iceplex. I took down the expo during the game. One light on in the building in that side and I took it down there. Because was, you couldn't handle what? I was just like... I felt like we had it, but I didn't want I didn't want to be the guy that was ignoring people watching the game. Like, cause I I don't want to have if I'm not on the air, I don't want to have 15 experts like mm -hmm. around me. I, I I was in the AB box with uh, a friend of mine. I'm gonna I'm gonna crush him on the air right now because he's he's his name's Steve Potter and he's the biggest fan. He's a great, wonderful, wonderful guy. He was bitching so much before the game. I had to get up moving. I go, hey, can you shut up? You're pissing me off. I go, Jesus Christ. I go, if, if, in your opinion, none of our D belong in the NHL, you know? And then, and the other day he's having a cigar and we're, we're, we're chatting me and him and Jimmy O'Brien and, and our buddy, Steve Holmes. And he goes, I don't care. It's the greatest sporting event. I don't give a shit if they win one game from now on. I go, oh, you're full of shit. All you did was come. And then everyone starts laughing because they're like, homie, hey, listen, hey, what do you think? And he goes, oh, yeah, Potter will be three games. The first time they lose three in a row, Potter will be like, hey, suck. You know, but, but he literally was the happiest guy you could be around when we won the cup. I mean, emotions were so high in our city. It was so great. But watching him was freaking funny, man. Hope you're enjoying the conversation with Kelly Chase here on the Tim McKernan Show. Subscribe via iTunes or wherever it is that you may podcast. You can always listen on insidestl.com 
as well. Our sponsors make it possible. And I always drive it home. I've been driving it home on radio. The only way that we get to keep playing is by the audience giving our advertisers return on investment. And Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies and James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency are easy for me to talk about because I both know them, I like them, and I know that it's a good thing for you to do business with them. Mark Hanna is our guest presenting sponsor. He's online at evergreenstl.com. If you're in the market for a financial advisor, Mark Hanna is the person to go to, evergreenstl.com. You will feel better about your state financially after you've talked with Mark Hanna. I think some people try to avoid having the conversation because they're like, ooh, I know I'm not in a good way, and I would rather not know than know. Well, you're never going to improve if you don't. So, Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies. Let him get you organized. Go online at evergreenstl.com. Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies, our guest presenting sponsor here on the Tim McKernan Show. And James Carlton, the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency. I have gotten so many emails. Uh, James has been with us for a couple of years. Mark has now been with us for more than a year of people who have contacted these guys and then wind up meeting with them and have such a good experience. And that doesn't surprise me uh, because I know them and I wouldn't endorse people who I didn't think highly of. I just wouldn't do it. Wouldn't touch it. Wouldn't touch it. Uh, not, at, not at this point, just wouldn't, wouldn't just never get into it. And if something, if I wind up getting backdoored and I will, somebody I, I wind up endorsing, uh, it winds up not operating, uh, the way I would want our audience to go and do business with them. I assure you, I will have to say something. Um, but with these people, this is, this is who you want to be with. You want to be with, uh, people, you know, you can count on and people who pride themselves on good customer service, great customer service. And that's Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies and James Carlton, the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency, 314-961-4800 or go online at carltoninsurance.net. If your insurance costs a leg and an arm, call James Carlton State Farm. I have made the switch personally for my family's insurance to James Carlton. That's how much I think of him. Carltoninsurance.net. James Carlton. He's located in Webster Groves. He keeps growing his business because people are doing business with him. His name is James Carlton. He's online at carltoninsurance.net. If your insurance costs a leg and an arm, call James Carlton. State Farm, 314-961-4800. I think the fact, I mean, I feel like it's almost like a, like if I were writing a movie about this, maybe this is the way I'd do it. The guy who... For real. I always would think about it. I know I've told you this, and you're probably going to know this is fucking weird you're saying this, but when I would think about, like, in 16, when they beat the, who'd they beat in the second round to get to this? The Stars, right? Yeah, because yeah, it was Blackhawks, Stars, yeah. then Sharks, again. And you, I was like, God, Chase is so happy, and I've always made the analogy in Goodfellas to De Niro's character after the Lufthansa heist, and he's just oh, so yeah, happy. Yeah, he's yeah, talking yeah, about, like, yeah. Chase is so happy, and all the alumni are so happy, and I wanted you to experience that, and then you sat in that chair last year when you're like, I'm leaving, and I said, what would it mean for him to win the cup? Well, you didn't say you were leaving. You, no, were, you didn't. But I think you knew you were when you were yeah. sitting here because you got emotional. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, I want to be there when it happens. But you kind of knew it was time to move on. Well, I knew I wasn't going to be in the broadcast booth. I knew I was going to be with the Blues. Like, I'm, listen, I'm forever with them if they want to have me. Um, you know, I'm doing something today that I'll tell you off the air, but it's going to be epic. And and uh, with the cup. And they, they've included me in saying, what do you think about stuff like this? And I gave my opinion. And you know, they'll have content that'll be, I think, awesome. Anyways, I just, you know, we'll, we're going to stop in and just start showing up at places with the cup. And oh, walk how in great up. is that? So we took people that have been a part of our upbringing from the 60s to now and who have owned establishments, whether they be gas stations or a leather shop or a restaurant or a bar or whatever, and we're just going to go in, just going in. Just saying, here, what do you think? And people How are... smart is that? Oh, yeah. came up with that? It's fucking brilliant. Well, we did it in Saskatchewan during a lockout when I just started working in broadcasting. It was it was a little awkward because I didn't want a picture with the cup. I mean, I, you know, it was that whole thing. Yeah, I don't absolutely. touch it, you know, whatever. 
<laughs> we took it and landed in Saskatchewan. Uh, got to Second Avenue and Twenty Second Street in Saskatoon, and you know there's whatever there's three hundred fifty thousand people at the time, probably three hundred thousand people in Saskatoon, and and we put the cup on the case at the corner of Second Avenue and Twenty Second, and uh, we had three car accidents. So we had to freaking move the cup inside, <laughs> but we just wanted to see how people would react. <laughs> because act they like, have no idea it's going to be there. They're trying to go, holy uh, shit, it's a Stanley Cup. I broke my glasses, and by the time we were 100 miles out of the city, we pulled into another little town of 5,000 people, and I, I said, you got to stop. I need my I can't see. And I called ahead and had said, listen, can you make a prescription? This is what it is. I don't care what the freaking glasses. Just give me horn room glasses or whatever I asked for. Yeah, I can do that, and they kind of, you know, they kind of, you know, they know you. I'm from an hour away from there, so we had another hour to go. And uh, I walked in, and the lady looks at me, and she goes, where's the cup? And I said, what? She goes, I know you got the cup. I've already heard it on the radio. Where's the cup? You don't get the glasses till I see the cup. So we had to unpack the cup out of the back. It was like traveling with Elvis Presley. You had to freaking, you know. So I know the impact that thing has on, on people. Uh, Canada, most certainly, um, you know, they... Well, I sh I'm not taking anything away from anybody, that, but I've seen the impact because of the history up there, uh, up there. So I had it, I look at, it, but to see how happy people were here and how it changed the, think of how it's changed the emotion of the city. It's unbelievable. Oh, I was going to get into that. It's I, I, just, it, 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 people are still on a high, oh. still on a high. I know and it's hard it to believe done. I was at OB Clark's last night. That's unreal. It's hard to believe, but. I uh, I literally, I was sitting there and there was a whole table of guys that just, you know, uh, and weirdly enough, it was last call. And there was one table of guys that were still in there. And I was just sitting with Jimmy bullshitting and I'd dr driven back from Nashville and got just got in there and I'm and, uh, having a beer and talking. And uh, these guys just said, hey, we got one question for you. And one turned into holding court for 20 minutes about the, they are ecstatic. Like all they were talking about at their table is the blues and this and the Stanley cup and the team and the, and I mean, and it's funny how I've said this before. I, you know, we, we have the smell of Ferguson on our hands. We have the shit with the Rams and what Cronky did. And there was a lot of things in our city, you know, the fact that we don't emerge our cities and counties. So we got this, this crime rate that in a city that's off the charts, second in the world or whatever it is, you know, we had a lot of warts that were maybe not a reflection of our city, and it's funny how 23 guys could go together as a group and change the outlook of a city because there was no, I saw one of the most unbelievable things in the playoffs. I was at Cafe Napoli. I was looking across the street and Bruce Cassidy was walking down the street and a car pulled up in a convertible and, it, and the guy goes, Hey coach, how you doing? And he didn't know whether to shit or wind his watch. He's like in Boston, somebody would have thrown something at him. And here's this guy saying, we're not rooting for you, but we're happy you're here coach. And this guy didn't know what the hell to do. He was just like standing there going, is this for real? Like, what is with these people? It's like Smallville. Like, you know, like these guys, the honest to God, it was, un, and I was, I was sitting at a table just howling. I was sitting with Melrose and he's like, he believed this shit. And I said, you know, what's great about it is I said, NBC, ESPN, everybody has said this. This has been the best place for the cup. That speaks volumes about our city. The fact that we were able to win it, everyone was cheering for us, dude. I mean, Saskatchewan was cheering for us. Like, West Canada was cheering for us because of the Canadians, <laughs> yeah. so many Canadians yeah. we had. It's unbelievable, honestly. 
Um, and, and you know, I, I think it's freaking great. And it's funny how, you know, I have, a, I have a buddy who's a Boston Bruin fan in Saskatoon. He's got his whole garage made into a bar and it's just Boston everything. Boston pinball machine, Boston <laughs> Bruin, whatever. He's got the old caps. I don't know what his collection would be worth. It's unbelievable. Anyways, he was pissed off. And one of my sons said, his name's Danny Leary, said, I'm never talking to that little dick again. I said, what do you give a shit about it? We won the cup. Who cares? You get the last laugh. Who cares? He's unhappy. I love the guy still, but I get to throw that back at him. And so my kid was sort of chuckling about it. I said, I've always taught you guys, too. I said, you know, the last laugh is when you shake your hand and you won. That's the way to do it, man. So, it? yeah. We, I, I want to take go back to this because I got I to gotta get a picture of this. Because this is it. I mean, this is the thing. It's like I always said, Kelly Chase is to the Blues, Mike Shannon to the Cardinals. The moment happens, but Mike Shannon got to play and win World Series, yeah. call World Series. You didn't get that. You've been waiting for this for, yeah. fuck, I don't know, what, 35 years? 31, I guess. I mean, yeah. They're okay. And it happens. And your broadcast partner, who you love and hold in this high esteem as an incredible talent, is getting the call that you know he's wanted to make since, yeah. shit, God, he was probably eight years old. Where are you? Are you by yourself in your car? No, I'm standing on the freeway, dude. You're I got standing, the window down the with the music. Oh my God. Standing on the freeway, looking out over the city. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. It was unreal. That's perfect. Yeah, I told Tom Stillman that the other day. He goes, no way. How come no one knows this? I said, I don't know. I didn't really, I don't, I don't. So where are well, you exactly on this? We well, need to make like a statue when you, and put it there. No, well, he'd be on the freeway. Like I literally got the flashers going and I'm standing and you know, there's no room there. On the edge, I don't know exactly what so you're street right by Bush it would have been. Or you down right by, by Bush Stadium. Okay. So like where that where you would think that yeah, you I know, would I know come, what you're talking about that V, right? Well, you come, come up, up onto right, the ramp and right, there's a V there. Right. Right. right? Yeah. So I park there and I crank up curbs and I'm just standing. I'm like, holy fuck, look at this. I it mean, was this unbelievable. So yeah, it was unbelievable. And I mean, you know, listen, I do not I'm so happy for Joey Vitale. I think he was a great decision by the team. I think he's a great kid. He's got history with the city, his family with the rink and putting the concrete down in it. He poured it the year before. Uh, he was in there working in, the, in, in in Enterprise Center. I think it's all a great story. I don't begrudge him one, but I love the kid. I, I Honestly, I think he does a great job. I think he's going to have an, a wonderful ride with the team. He's He's fast friends with everybody, and he's a leader. So I think I handed something... I didn't hand it over, but I think they handed over something that I couldn't think of. If I was, if I had some guy that I thought was a little mischievous or a prick, like that was on the doing it, I it would it would bother me. Not this yeah. guy. This guy's solid, man. And on top of it all, like curbs, like it does. He like I don't look. You're in the business. You know when guys can read a situation, like curbs would be in the middle of a broadcast, and the guys from Anheuser Busch would come into the booth. And t Curbs would be, he'd look back and he'd be doing the game and he'd look back, give him the thumbs up and he'd be going. And then he'd say, you know, and Vladdy Tarasenko jumps over the Anheuser-Busch sign in front of the Blues bench. There's no fucking Anheuser-Busch sign in front of the Blues bench. But he gets it. Like, he gets it. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. So, like, he exactly doesn't do shit saying. like this because he gets it. And yet he's doing the game and he's, he, like, I mean, the first time I met him, I thought this guy was six, not met him, talked to him on the phone, did the whole, hey, he's joining you on the broadcast. I did the press conference thing through the phone, took all these questions on KMO, or on KTRS. KTRS yeah. And then all of a sudden I come to St. Louis to meet him. I meet him the first time at Paul Mano's and this pimply faced kid walks in. I'm like, who the fuck are you? You drive the guy here? Where is he? 
And he, and he comes in and he, and I'm like, where did you get those pipes? Like he, but I mean, so like, and I was lucky, like I got to work with Dave Strader. I got to work, uh, you know, I've worked with everybody, Kenny uh, and, and Joe and, and, and NHL network. I've got to work with what I think are great broadcasters, you know, and Beninati and, I think Curbs is the best. That's just my opinion. I And I don't take anything away from John Kelly, whom I love. I just think Kerber's call is big and it's and it's old school and it's freaking honest. And, you know, I, he jokes around on the radio because you got to do that once in a while. I have no idea why nobody's got the balls to put him on national TV, but he's so good. So good. You guys Fuck. were so good together. And I told, and we talked about obviously the maroon goal is, is I think probably the most famous goal, even though it didn't win yeah. the cup, but yeah. it, what, what happened yeah. in the circumstances. Yeah. And I said, you know, it, when it's coming down the final few minutes in Boston, you know, it's happening at this point. Yeah. So you can prepare it if you want to, even though you've been thinking about it for 40 years as it is, but the maroon goal, you can't prepare for that. First off, it's maroon scoring. It's an intense as fuck. And for him to nail that call, yeah. The way he did, considering it's straight ad lib and it yeah. means the world. Yeah. It's the David Freeze home run of Blues history with the St. Louis yeah. and doing what he yeah, did. And he killed it. You know? That's he the, killed you it. I was actually uh next door and I'm the guy that on video you see high five and Joey Vitali. That's my oh, arm that's that you. comes around because I thought that was Raby. And I'm and I mean I was I was I was in the booth next like I was against the glass against Joey. And it was so good. And and I mean like um like I said, I mean, look. They're lucky to have him here. He's another great story because he's a St. Louis guy, and uh, and I have I have nothing but happiness for those guys. For yeah, I was I was I wondering, and obviously you've already answered the question, so now it's like Jeopardy. But I was wondering if any part of you when that was going on, going like, ah, fuck, I wish I was not at all, and, and not even I mean, like an iota of it. Yeah, I mean, listen, I didn't I didn't take a day with the cup or ask for a day with the cup. I mean, they've been gracious to allow me to be participate in everything. I phoned the league. I asked the league. I wrote an email to the league, and I know that it's coming to Saskatchewan for um, the outdoor game at Mosaic Stadium in Regina, and you know where the Rough Riders play. They have a new stadium. It's so nice. And I asked if I could have it prior to or after the game, after the uh, outdoor game. Um, I don't know if I'll get it. I would love to take it to my hometown. I would love to take it to my dad's gravesite. I would love to have a party in my hometown with it. Because what you realize when you play the game is you all you wanted to do is 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 play in the NHL. That's what you believe. All I want to do is play a game in the NHL. I just want to just just see what that's like. That's what it is. It, that's you all just it want is. To play a game. Play a game, and then when you get there for a game. You 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 want to you know just like I got it. I it's a it's crack. You just got to for me it was. I just I mean like I just got to figure find a way. And I didn't give a shit if they put me in goal. I wanted one of the 23 seats on the bus. Like, you get 23 a year, I want to be one of the 23 seats on the bus. So that was my goal every year. And never did I feel comfortable with it. But I realized when we won the Cup, it, it wasn't what I wanted my whole life. It, it was not that I wanted to play in the NHL. It was that I wanted to win the Stanley Cup. So from an emotional standpoint, when they handed me the Cup and I, you know, I, well, they flew home and they came to Enterprise and I was there with, I think it was there with, well, I was there with one of my sons at that time and then, a couple of them come and join me and um, he was emotional, but it was like 10,000 pounds went off my back. And I thought to myself, like I, my whole life thought I wanted to play in the NHL. That's not what I wanted. I wanted to win the cup and it, and I didn't win it as a player, but I know that I'm part of the organization. I know that, you know, I still get a check from them, whether I am or not, but they're <laughs> wonderful about that. But I, but honestly, like 
I would do anything for the Blues because they've given me that opportunity. And to be honest with you, like, I know for a fact that it was what I really wanted to do was win the Cup. It wasn't that I wanted to to play in the NHL. I've dreamt about it my whole life, and I started thinking about it, and I was like, holy shit. You know those games where I, I was playing out on the street or I was a, a part of, you know, winning in junior or winning, you know, in the minors, and I thought, I just want to play in the NHL. That's not what I wanted. I wanted to win in the NHL, and now there's a sense of peace because 23 guys have given me that chance. What was it like the moment you got a chance to actually and were comfortable with being around it and holding it? Yeah, you know what's funny is is uh, I never thought about it. They handed it to me, and I put it over my head. And I mean, I I think I I think I was crying. I don't even really know, but I remember in the morning, my wife she's like, "What are you doing?" And I said, "I'm I'm going to Ob Clark's." Like I'm, I just got in. I just I told her the story about the stadium, and I go, "I'm going to Ob Clark's right now." I go, "Why don't you come?" She's like, I'm exhausted. She goes, I'm going to go just from the game. She goes, I'm exhausted. I'm going to go to sleep. And then she goes, there'll be stuff going on tomorrow and I'm in. And I'm like, okay. And uh, Will was there with me, my oldest. And so he, he they, I handed it to him. He, you know, okay, held it over his head. Your oh. hand, hand your son, yep. Stanley Cup. Yeah. And um, so I, I go home uh, eventually. I don't know what what day it was, but anyways, I go home. And why it was that day? Because what happened was, I actually uh, got up. I went. I went to Ob Clark's. I went back to Scott uh, to Scott Trade to Enterprise, and then he had the cup and everything. I went back to Ob Clark's. I don't know who the little shit was doing the news that day, but he was like, he saw me there at midnight. He came there and interviewed me, and then at six in the morning, he came back in, and I go, Are "You still here?" And he goes. Jesus, he's still here. I'd already come back, but I was still rolling, and I went on the 6 o'clock, too, okay? So it was great. Anyways, I went home, and whatever time I went home, I don't know what time I went home. I think you were on with us pulling into your house at, like, 9. Okay, so let's say it was 9, and I got in the house, and my wife was crying. And I said, why are you crying? She goes, I missed it. The only thing I wanted to do was catch me with the cup. And I guess it was on social media. I don't know. I mean, me on Twitter is a challenge to start with. Never mind. I get more shit off that, but... Anyway, so she, I said, that's all right. We're going to have, she goes, no, it's not. There's only one chance that you get of that. So anyway, uh-huh. I, I, this video of it and, and, uh, I felt grateful and I'm like, they go, do you, some guys at work were saying, did you get to lift the cup over your head? I go, I never thought about it, but yeah, I, you know, they go, I thought it was just, you know, the players. And I said, no, I think it's everyone in the organization because I've seen all these other guys yeah. lift the cup. And I think it's, if you're a part of the organization that won, you get to lift the cup up over your head. And... And so I said, I, they go, you got any with it? I go, well, yeah, I know I got one. And I look and I've got like three. I've got one where I was at the golf tournament a couple of days later mm-hmm. for the alumni and I, and I have it. And then I have it. Um, we went to the brewery and they named the beer and we all signed the vat mm-hmm. and did the whole thing. And um, I'm soaked in beer. Wouldn't <laughs> want it any other way. Drenched in Budweiser, <laughs> holding a cup over my head. And then uh, the one, of course, when they gave it to me the first time. So. It was just so good. It was so good. Like, I mean, it just, like I said, it just, it just, a relief. I'm going to ask you about two of your peers in the alumni, one who's a very close friend and one who I know you hold the highest of esteem. Uh, and we'll start with that one, which is uh, Bobby Plager. Yeah. And what that meant to him and uh-huh. to you guys to see him. Cause I saw the players on the ice in Boston yeah. when he got a chance to lift it. That yeah, wasn't that great. Like the, yes. the recognition by those guys is what I yes. think is unbelievable. Like, you know, the fact that they get it, the fact that, you know, they were, 
if you got the player of the game or whatever, I think you wore Bob, Bobby's gloves, right? That was the thing all year, the theme. Um, you know, the fact, like, look, when we when we won the division or the conference, I he was crying and I looked at Holly and, and I had to walk away because I had tears and I guess Holly did because he said, he said, Jesus, he goes, here's Bobby crying and you're crying. He goes, I got to, what the hell's going on around here? And uh, so, so it was pretty, it was pretty cool. Um, but also, um, you know, the fact that, can you imagine, like I had a 31, he said it's 67. So that whole, you know, that whole and with dream. brother, I mean, it's, right. you know, I mean, it's, it gets so right. deep. Right. Well, you know, it's like, he's been here for so long and I don't know. I just, he, he's a big reason why I played in the NHL. You know, I mean, Patty Janelle brought me here, Bobby Plager and I, um, had an attachment because he was great friends with Patty. But then when Patty, Bobby loved the way I played, I played, I did what he asked in Peoria and it resulted in everything he said was going to happen, happened. So, you know, I mean, when Bobby was sick and, you know, yeah, I went through some tough times, I, I felt an obligation and he's got a great family around him, but I felt an obligation to make sure that, you know, we helped bring him out of that sort of where he was at with some of the stuff that he, you know, health wise and everything. So I would take him to Canada with me in the springtime. We would go fishing. He would help me put in my docks. We would, you know, sit at the lake and he just relaxed and fished and, and Bobby doesn't drink. Of course he said, well, this is the only place, uh, you know, he never really had a problem with drinking when he can just grab the bottle of beer and drink about 10 of them when he's with you in Canada one night and said, okay, that's it for the year. And then he'd wrap it up and then we'd come back to that. I go, don't tell anybody that you did this. Because first time he did, I go, what are you doing? And I was upset with him. He goes, don't worry about me. I'll be okay. So I was kind of keeping my eye on him. The next morning I said, how are you feeling? He said, good, let's go put those docks in. And then we went to the bar that night. I go, you want to have a beer? And he goes, nope, just once a year. You can turn it on and off. Yeah. So he had a few during the cup, I think, and uh, he's in great spot and he's in great uh, state of mind and health. And because of that, I mean, I love him. I, I love the guy and I would do anything for Bobby. And, and so to watch what went on and the, and the recognition by those older guys to know how much it meant to him, I think is important. I saw it. I, mean, I don't, you're probably aware of this. Cause you probably were part of the conversation at one point. Jeremy Rutherford did an in-depth piece on him. I think it was during the Dallas series. And uh, the way the article, and it was a long article, but it was great, um, wrapped up was Barrett Jackman saying, it's never happened before, but there's such an awareness in this organization for what he means that I could see the guys, yeah, I could see Petro skating over and handed it to him before anybody else. Right. And I and I talked with, I don't know if I should say who it was, but somebody with the organization, a couple of the organization, I think that actually might happen. Right. Uh, obviously, when it was all said and done, they went with, Bowmeister, which, 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 yeah, which yeah. Was, were you aware of this and any possibility? Well, that I knew gonna... that, I knew that, oh yeah, there was a possibility. Oh yeah. Yeah. But also like from the player's perspective, I'm sure army had some saying, you know, like, look, let's let the players and Bobby's or, or, you know, whatever the order is, which is, you know, great. And, but I mean, when you think about Bowmeister's commitment and what he's accomplished, I mean, what is he one of 26 that have won everything? Like everything, yeah, every, everything, every, everything you can win, yeah. everything quietly, and I mean, is and then by the way, is there a player that got shit on more in the last couple of years that come out like, how can you be mad at Jay Bomeister the way he plays? All he, he was does the is ultimate blame guy, goddamn for years. workhorse. All he does is train. All he does is do the right thing. He's quiet. He's I think never, that's what it was. I think Jesus. that's what it was. Yeah, but, quiet in the contract, and those yeah. were the two perfect storm things like, to get him shit on constantly. Yeah, so. 
But, but I mean, what the hell do you think you're getting for that amount of money? What contract? Like, you know what I mean? Like, tell me, like, where do you get a guy that eats up 26 minutes for that amount of money? And like, he's come back from two injuries, same injury on the labrum thing that guys retire from. And by the way, won the cup after the second. When he's coming around skating and people are like, he's starting to play better. I'm like, he should be in a wheelchair. Fucking guys are on him. Like, what are you thinking? God. Anyway, that pissed me off when I hear fans get on him because I love the guy and I don't, you know, we don't hang around together. We don't, but I have a, I have a great deal of respect for guys that put in the effort and the energy and the way they live their life to be a pro like he does. And I, I didn't like it that he was getting a rough ride. I'm happier in hell for yeah. him right now. So he got it. He got it after Petro and then yeah. Steen, right? Who I know you have a very yeah. great deal. Yeah. Of no, I think Alex for. Steen is probably one of the few guys that I've played with or not played with played with or spin around that has a, an awareness of everything in the locker room that's going on with people. And I'm not talking about they're having a tough game. They're having trouble with an injury. I'm talking about their wife's sick, their kids sick. Mm -hmm. They're, they're, you know, something's going on with a family member back home. I mean, that the coach is down on them about something like guys focus on their own, square box in the locker room. Yeah. They don't think about the other 22 that are in there. They're fucking trying to figure out how they can stay keeping the, I was keeping the league. Now I had an awareness of what was going on. Cause I was, you know, I had the luxury of, of being a guy that could kind of, you know, play both sides of it. Cause I, I didn't play 20 some minutes, but you're playing that kind of minutes. You're thinking about how am I going to get my body in the right state so I can play the next game in the middle of February. Yeah. This guy has an awareness. Like ah, Ryan O'Reilly told John Cooper at the NHL awards. I've never played with a leader better than this guy. He said, I cannot believe the awareness that he has about everybody on the team. And it's exactly the thing that I've said about the guy before. And it comes from his father, who's got, who's, who is a tough guy to play against, but who also said, he said something very interesting to, to Alex when he was talking about, you know, you're on the downslope of your career and everything. He said, just remember this when you're thinking about leaving the game or not being a part of the game or working in the game. You, the worst people you meet in hockey are still better than most of the people you meet in business. Wow. He's right. That hell, hell yeah. He is absolutely right. You think of the shitheads you got to deal with in this business <laughs> and the people, you know, truthfully, oh, you're right. You well, know, you're talking about my business. No, <laughs> but I mean, but I mean, think of the people that we've gone along beside and sat and listened to. And there's never a concept of doing the right thing. It's how can I do something to better me and yeah. never. And then if I got to fuck somebody, I fuck them. Yeah. yeah. You're exactly, yeah, oh, yeah. Well, what, what a comment, though. Okay. You, the worst people you're going to so meet in true, hockey though. are still better than most of the people you're going to meet my, and do business with. I think with. of the two. We've been doing this thing for two years, and one of my favorite, and I use it all the time. I said, Chase sat in that chair and said, our game has a way of weeding out the assholes. Yeah, yeah we get rid of the shitheads. It, it just happens. <laughs> no, it's true. And I don't know how you do it, but you do. Well, because it's like, if you get in a locker room and you're a bad guy, you better be really fucking good. Cause you, and you won't, you'll eventually have to change. Because the one thing I'm positive of, every single guy in the locker room, if you walk in the locker room today, this is what I'm positive of. Every one of them is going to be an alumni. That's it. Yeah. Connor McDavid is going to be an alumni. You don't have to like it, but that's what's going on, mm -hmm. right? That being said, you, I can almost tell you, I can, you can count on this, that at some point the game catches up with you where you're going to have to count on somebody. I don't care who, how good you are. You can think when you come in that you're hot shit and you can have a hell of a year. Or you can be, the game catches up with you. And when it catches up with you, the only thing way you can turn is to your teammates for the relief. 
There's guys that play a long time based on their attitude and what they've done for people along the way. And then there's guys that comes to an abrupt halt and there's, and you know, but it'll be a lot shorter for the guys that are dicks than the guys that are good. And we don't have many of them in the game. And then when we, when we get them, we either straighten them out and they change or they get left behind. I think about, you know, I have a son now, he's two years old and I think, God, Part of me wants him to play hockey. Well, of course, because, he should play hockey because because he'll be around good people. Well, not that, only that, that, but there's a, there's a there's a sense of integrity with the game and how you have to play the game that people count on you. And to be honest with you, when you get into life, no matter how the level you play, you're going to learn how to work with people, yeah. and you're yeah. going to learn how to have rely on people, and you're going to learn how to talk to people so you get more out of them. And sometimes it means pounding your fist on the table. And walk out of the room and putting your arm around the guy and having a beer. And the, and, and the next time it means you got to rub his back and say, hey, dude, you know what? You, I know what place you're in right now, but hey, let's get this. We, we need you. And so when you leave the game of hockey, it, no matter the level you play, you will have that sense um, of being on a team and belonging and, and being and realizing that, that you don't have to be. I think in Ice Guardians, it says there's kind of four types of people, you know, you'll get the leaders, the the, the bodyguard or the, you know, the soldier kind of bodyguard guy. Uh, you'll get the uh, um, comedian and, and then you'll get the guy that's kind of the nerd. And then they had did this study where they took all these, you know, kind of aggressive kind of personalities, these a personality guys and put them together. And they found out eventually they've turned themselves into one guy being kind of the leader and the other guy being the, being the guy yeah. that would sacrifice for all of them. And the guy that was kind of the comedian and the guy that was kind of the nerd. So you will find your place on a hockey team and where you're at with that. Um, but it's a lot of alpha personalities lots of times in their own way, but they learn how to be on a team. And I think um, that psychology is a real lesson for people about what it means to be a hockey player. What has happened now with the Blues win? This we already we when you were in the last time we talked about the boom in hockey, which yeah. is credit to you and the alumni, period. But now that they've won, 2019 will be talked about oh, yeah. forever. Yeah, and and I've had a lot of people talk about first off how football registration in high schools locally is down, yeah. which had nothing to do with the yeah. Blues, but that's just what the way it's going. And then locally, the number of people signing up to play hockey is like skyrocketing yeah. here over the last few months. Yeah, and plus you of course have. What's happened with the new rink opening up? It's like the perfect Rinks. storm. Rinks, right? Right. The, the, we have Chesterfield the and, and the and, Centene, yeah. yeah. So it's a perfect storm for us. I mean, uh, the perfect storm so that you have, you know, um, kids that are going to be able to learn the game and play the game, and they don't have to play it. They don't have to play AAA hockey, and they don't have to play on, you know, the best state teams or whatever, but they'll play on teams and they'll learn the game and they'll be active and they're and it's in listen with the way things are with technology and everything, you know, they, it's a, it's a great asset. Our phones are always with us. We're attached to our iPads and computers and everything. And it's the way of the world. But I think now you see what's happening is, is that people are trying to create ways to get people away from that so that they can recharge and what better way than to be yeah. on the ice and learn yeah. what it's like to be able to communicate with people. I mean, shit, I can be around my entire family and they'll all be on the phone at the same time. And you're looking around and, you know, as you know, I'm a Twitter once in a while guy and I'm not on, you know, I'm, I think I have a Facebook account, I think. And I think I have an Instagram account. I couldn't get on either of them. If you knew my kids have set them up, I don't know how the hell it works, but I can tell you that I've watched them all or Snapchat or whatever it's called. 
and and I see them and we're sitting around and I'm like, hey, does anybody want to have a conversation today? Like, what this. the fuck's going on around here? <laughs> and my, they the just laugh at me, dad. Get, at people. Yeah, get with the program here, dad. It's sort of like, but then I'll go to, you know, hey, does anybody want to, the ice froze on the pond this in the winter. Do you want to go, anybody want to go skate on the pond? I mean, like kids up. shot out of their chairs. Let's go. And it's like, everybody takes their phones, throws them on the couch because we're going out the door to, onto the lake out in front to, to, to skate no one gives a shit about the phone. We go out there and you're out there a couple hours and and um, it's just unreal. Like how it's in my house, a part of our culture and about a part of our family. Final question before we don't get you out of here. I said I want to ask about two of your alumni uh, brethren. Bobby Plager, you talked about him. And then also Brett Hall. He had a hell of a, he had a, hell of a summer. Uh, well, he had, a, <laughs> he had a hell of a three weeks. <laughs> What, how much of that were you spending with him? How much were you in the same place as him? I understand his speech on the arch grounds was not necessarily yeah, scheduled. I, I told him it depended on how late we went the night before about when he went to bed sort of thing. Like, so how much time did I spend with him? It depended on when we reloaded for the next day. Like, sometimes it got to, we got till four in the afternoon before he went to bed. And then the other times, no, it was great. He's he's like, this is, a, this is exact Collier. He's like, what the fuck do they expect? I told them there'd be no party like this if we won. <laughs> I love him, man. It's it he's the, the best. And like it, 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 I, I, I. Listen, I've said this a thousand times. I said, uh, <laughs> Army. I love Doug Armstrong. I really, I really have a great deal of respect, but also admiration for the way he's treated me, and it's been so good to me. So. Not this is not a dump on Army, but Army was pissed off when Holly was out there. He's like, "Get him down! This is embarrassing." I go, "Get!" <laughs> I, I started laughing. I go, "I'm not getting him down." I go, "Get his wife to get him down." And I walked away from Army. Right? Like I just kind of walked. Away. He goes, "This is fucking embarrassing." And and the funniest part about it was was that I was telling my wife about it, and I never really talked about it, you know, because Holly's Holly, and nobody gives a shit at this point that he went on there, right? Yeah, and I hope he's incorporated some of those T-shirts that are out there. But in any event, um, my wife said, can you imagine how bad it would have looked if you went out on stage and give him the hook on top of it all? She goes, because you were every bit as tuned up as he was. And she goes, and then you're going to, he would have been wrestling with you on stage. And she goes, she goes, I can just see this. Cause you know, my wife is, there's no one like, no one else would put up with our shit, my shit for sure. And so she was like, she's seen him and I where, you know, we've been in the same chair, sitting in a lounge chair, sitting in there singing karaoke at four in the morning outside by a fire. And she comes out and she goes, what in the hell are you two doing? And we're trying to read something off a phone. So she's like, are you, are you really sitting together in the same chair? You know? That was a while ago where asses won't fit in them now. But I mean, but the point is, is that, you know, my wife has seen us at our best and our worst. And she's like, can you imagine if you would have gone up there and tried to give him the hook? How that, I mean, they would, you know, because and first of all, it draw attention to me going, oh yeah, Chase is up there, you know. And, Moral high ground. And Gretz says to me, you got to go down. Like the whole thing with the finger, that was giving one of our buddies the finger in the corner. It was yeah, a TV timeout. Yeah. It had nothing to. Brian, uh, Brad Marchand said this summer, "I love Brett Hall. He was my hero, and he freaking was giving me the finger." Hey, Brad, he wasn't giving you the finger. He would never do that. He has too much respect for the players. He doesn't give a shit about. He was giving our buddy the finger in the corner, and I, I actually saw it happen. I was in the AB suite above him. I texted him, called him, called him. Finally, I go, 
because he did it a couple times. I go, and then finally he goes, what? And I go, put your fucking finger in it. What are you doing? People are watching. He goes, oh, it's to so-and-so from, I go, I don't care who it is. And sure as shit, it was on. And I was, and, and, and Gretz, so the, the Gretzky boys were with Wayne and he goes, you, may, you might want to go down and get him. I go, dude, I am not like the last thing I'm doing is going down in the seats now and saying, Hey, come on. I'm security. Come on with me. We're hauling you out here. The blue Jack. And like, are you kidding me? If you want to poke the bear, he's at that point. Right. I mean, he's drank a bottle of, He's drank a bottle of Codigo, and you think now would be a good time for me to run down and get him out of the seats. I'm not doing that. You know what I mean? front row of a Stanley Cup final game in the, basically the house that he built. Right, right. Now, we'll leave him completely alone and let him enjoy the run, and let's not get worried about it. Nobody, at the end of the day, the only people talking about it are the assholes that want to make an issue about it in in. You know, like on in Toronto media, and yeah. social media, like who cares? Right. People in St. Louis are like, wasn't Brett great? I thought I thought it was one of the things I thought was so great here is everybody's like, yeah, everybody's fucked up and having a great time, and nobody's like, this is wrong. What are we going to say to the kids outside? Yeah. A few people going, well, the Blues said fuck ten times when they won the cup. Like, what did you expect them to say? Yeah, but oh, by the way, there was uh, four of them that had their shirts off in a limousine with the cup with uh, you know five girls. That's what they're supposed to do. They're not drinking and driving. They're single. They're partying. They got the cup. They're in a limo. Shut up. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like I mean, it never happened, but... Of course. Well, I mean, it never course, got reported. For the but let's just assume that it did. Like, what the hell are you expecting? Brett Hall is drunk. Oh, really? Well, no shit. They just, we just won the cup. Like, like who, like, who in the hell... like? Oh, well, you go in and you have a tea party, and then, boy, you take it in the back room and drink some tequila. No, that's not how he operates, and he never has. And if you would have expected anything different, you absolutely are a moron. Chaser, it couldn't end any better than that. I appreciate it, brother. All right, man. Thanks for the time. So there it is. There it is. And there it is. Rarely, as a matter of fact, I don't know if ever, because I, I, I am self-loathing, and so if I listen to myself, I won't go, oh, that was really good. I'll go, oh, wow, I have such a fucking hideous laugh. Or, oh, I interrupted him there. That's what I do if I go back and listen. I think I might go back and listen. I might ask Gangster Pete to, like, cut my mic so I don't hear myself because, again, self-loathing. But uh, I just, I, I enjoyed that so much, um, and I hope you did as well. I mean, it, it takes you back, but it also, it went so deep. And I don't know, Gangster Pete, I know you got emotional, Um the thing that I, I mean, I loved the stories about Doug Armstrong telling Chase to get Hull off the stage, uh, Gretzky's involvement with telling telling him to go down. Why has Chase got it? This Chase, Chase sounds like me with like the radio station. I'm getting hit up for shit that I've got nothing to do with. Chase has to go down and get Hull away from the glass where he's supposedly flipping off the Bruins. Uh, classic. Um, and yes, what would have happened if Kelly Chase would have walked out on that stage and asked Brett Hull to get off the microphone? I mean, for, I really do think they would have started wrestling. I really do think that's what would have happened. It would have been funny to see. Two, as he said, tuned up guys. I like that. Uh, tuned up guys in, uh, in, I think, both in their 50s uh, wrestling uh, on the arch grounds at the Stanley Cup parade would have been absolutely perfect. Um, but, but I think the thing... I listen, I love those stories. And for real, I was like pissing myself. And I'm sure my Eddie Murphy laugh was was echoing throughout. But I had no idea. Highway. The highway. Yeah. That was awesome. That's where you were weeping. Uh, Yeah, he's talking about that. And then he's also talking about how much it meant to the city. And uh, I, I mean, I, I'm 
I'm a wuss. Yeah, Sorry, I know. But, but Kelly Chase was crying, so you're, you're in the clear. That's right. He can beat you the up. The guy so can beat the shit out of you crying. Get through Kelly to get to me. <laughs> that I, had, I knew, which I already thought was so cool, that he chose to not watch the game so he could listen to Chris Kerber's call. Throw another log on the fire of the story of the Blues winning the Stanley Cup. Um, take your pick of whichever element of the story you want to go with. I mean, it's like I, it's like if I start trying to list them, I'm inevitably going to forget something. You have Layla Anderson. You have Pat Maroon, the hometown kid, getting the goal to send him past the the hometown kid who's killing it in goal for the Stars uh, against a guy who played for the Blues, whose wife's from St. Louis, head coach Stars. Uh, you know, and a being in last place and Craig Berube and, you know, finally beating Boston and fuck, I don't know. I'm probably leaving out a bunch of stuff. So I don't even want to leave what name, name a million things. I left out of the whole thing. Uh, Kerber letting John Kelly call the second period is a, is a tip of the cap to, to Dan Kelly and the Kelly family. But I had no idea. And I, I guess nobody else did because Chase just said that he told Tom Stillman like here within the last week. And as I'm talking to you right now, I am recording this on September 20th, 2019, uh, that Kelly Chase, I knew he listened to it, but I pictured he was listening outside the Enterprise Center because I knew he didn't go to the game. But I had no idea he had pulled over to the side of, I don't even know at that point what highway it is that's running along to the south side of Bush Stadium, but I know exactly where he's talking about. I think they merge. Uh, but no, I, I don't know. Whatever. It, it, it doesn't matter. You know what I'm talking about. The the interstate that runs just to the south. I guess it's I-64, I think. It's Highway 40. Whatever. The point is Kelly Chase is out there looking at Bush Stadium where all the fans are, looking at the Enterprise Center, looking at the Arch, and he's on this empty highway because everybody is watching the game minus the the trucks that are transporting freight across the country that are driving past every three or four minutes and he is listening to his broadcast partner call the organization he has lived and died for for 31 years win the Stanley Cup. My voice cracks telling the story. It's, I had no idea. I didn't know until this interview. I just was like, and, you know, I thought it was great enough that it was uh, Chris Kerber um, calling the game. And he wanted to to listen to his broadcast partner call the Blues winning the Stanley Cup. And so that's how he chose to do it. I thought that was that was incredible. Much less that he pulled over and took it in out on the freeway, as he said. I mean, that is, that's just, I mean, holy shit. That's amazing. God, if somebody could have gotten a picture of that. Just incredible. And the emotion he talked about, Pete, when uh, he got a chance to hold the Stanley Cup and then hand it to his son, that was phenomenal. I don't know, man. I don't know. As I, I know I've said in other interviews, and I just said it here to Chase, that uh, his emotion in 2016, which at this point people are like, oh yeah, they were in the Western Conference Finals in 2016, because it's at this point it's kind of forgotten that he was so happy because him and the alumni really thought this was it in 2016 when they lost to the Sharks in the Western Conference Finals. Uh, the analogy of Robert De Niro's character um, in Goodfellas uh, that he he was like right after the Lufthansa heist and he's just hugging everybody and you know just. Smile. That's what Chase was in 2016. And then his heart was ripped out again. And so for Bobby Plager, you heard him talk about Bobby Plager. God. I mean, that's where I think he got emotional, actually. I think that's where he had that and talking about her hand in the cup, realizing that he played the game to win the Stanley Cup. Holy shit. I mean, God. Uh, love the interview. I hope, I hope, I hope that it had the same 
weight that it had for those of you who just listened to it. Because I know as the person who was sitting in here during it, I'm just like, this is, this is a fucking, this is a masterpiece. This is a perfect way to, uh, to wrap up our, uh, our second year of doing this. Cause this is, this is, you know, we've had some good ones, man. And again, it's, I'm, I'm just kind of sitting here asking questions. It's our producers who get these guests, but, uh, this is when people ask, what's your favorite? I don't, just don't know how I can, I can't say this one. And I love, and it's the thing it's tough because there's like 30 that I'm just like, Oh, I fucking love that one. I, oh yeah, you're right. How could I forget that one? But that, cause it had everything. And I always would think about when I would think about the blues winning the Stanley cup, I would always think about Kelly chase. That's who I would think. I'd think about Kelly chase and Bobby Plager, but I don't know Bobby as well as I know chase. I heard you say that all the time. Yeah, That's what I would always think about because I knew how much it meant to him. And I pictured the people who would spend so much money to make sure they had season tickets and sit in that upper bowl, you know, and that's, that's, that's them. I, you know, I don't know if the right word is admire, but I have a respect for that because I know I had no interest in doing that stuff. Um, and so when they finally got paid off, their payoff was even greater because they grinded through a lot of shit to get there. And Chase, who has lived and died for this organization. And so I'm like, when that moment happens, I just figured he'd be eyeside. side. And, they, and we talked about something that I hadn't talked about yet, I don't think, but there were rumblings about Bobby Plager being handed the cup. And so we finally have somebody acknowledging that. I was going to ask Cam that, but I might have put Cam in a weird spot. Chase can kind of, like I said, it's like with Mike Shannon. If he drove his car out into center field, they just go, okay, we got to play around it today because nobody's going to tell him anything. Same with Chase. So I figured Chase could talk about it. But that there were rumblings about that. Um, so to, I always just pictured him when it would happen, if it would happen, actually, um, that he would he would be on the ice and he would get his chance with it. And as it turns out, when they're on the ice in Boston, he's on the side of Highway 40 looking at Bush Stadium in downtown St. Louis listening to his broadcast partner of all those years call the, the win. I mean, holy shit. I don't know. If we do a 30 for 30 on this one, I think I got to do I think I got I think that has to be the scene. I mean, that's the scene to me. That's just incredible. I, and, I, and I like I said, I'm reacting to it right now because I just found out about it here within the last hour. And I just think it's fucking incredible. Although the idea of Chase and Hull wrestling on the stage, if Chase would have walked out there to... Or Chase having to go down while Hall has had a bottle of tequila uh, and he's ice side flipping off their friend and everybody else is thinking he's flipping off the Bruins and Chase goes down to try and, you know, you know, he's got to go down there to get him. So everybody's going, oh, there's Kelly Chase. And then he has to get Brad Hall up and, you know, Hall's like, fuck you. I'm not going anywhere. And then if he does get him, he's got to take Hall up the steps and everybody's screaming at Hall and Chase. And it would have been a whole thing. And this is in the middle of a Stanley Cup final game. Oh. Just good stuff. God, that was great. I loved it. I I really do hope everybody else enjoyed it. Email me, T. McKernan at InsideSTL.com. Our sponsors make this thing possible. Without sponsors, we can't do this stuff. So if you love this podcast, uh, please subscribe to it. And please, when you have the chance to do business with our sponsors, do. TheHomeLoanExpert.com. Ryan Kelly, uh, Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies at EvergreenSTL.com. James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency at CarltonInsurance.net. And then Design Air Heating and Cooling online at designairservice.com, the number one train dealer in the Midwest. It's hard to stop train. And Johnny Landoff, Chevrolet, Highway 270 in the Washington Elizabeth Exit, online at landoff.com. For Gangster Pete, for Iggy, and for our guests, presented by Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies, online at evergreenstl.com. Kelly Chase, I'm Tim McKernan. This has been another edition of the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios.